Maxeo has entered the building in this corner with Brian Campbell returns. Yes, it's back, and it's better than ever with a taped fist dosed of that performance-enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear. But you know I'm just about ready to tag in Big Red as we recap a loaded weekend of boxeo from all around the globe. Big gift to people. Oh, yeah, we unwrap that in a big way. We will focus on that glamour division, the welterweights, after a big win from swag champ Danny Garcia, and figure out who's the best and when... Where and maybe if said elite players will end up facing each other over the next year. But before we make this audio magic happen, we don't want to brag on this show like, say, about our abilities. I ain't trying to brag, but I was bloody good at it. But we love taking the time out of our week to entertain and educate as we congregate to respect box. It's a free endeavor on your part as the listener. All you need really to do is invest your time. But of course, we ask you to do one more. And that spread the word if you like what you hear on today's episode. If you see something, say something. Take that 60 seconds. Apple Podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. It's a three-step process. It makes a lot of people very happy, including me. But let me bring in my mainest man of all to look back on this weekend. To look ahead at Superfly 2. All the little guys coming up this week. He is an internationally renowned author, editor, Filipino icon. He's a boxing newsletterer. He is the respecter of all things cruiserweights. I love it when we're cruising together. Cruising was made for Like that stanky version you Ray found. Bartholomew, that's like four non-blondes unplugged, it kind of sounds like to me. You're oh, you're back yeah. on the left coast, Cal- California. How is it, my man? Uh, you know, same same as it always was. Not, not too much going on. We we survived uh, NBA All Star Weekend out here in Los Angeles. Um, I did not um I did not get to meet as many Instagram models as I was promised. But um, you know, some that sometimes it bees like that. Did you meet Floyd? We'll get to Floyd later in the show. But did you have any interactions with the uh with the TBE? Well, I mean, you know, I follow the TBE wherever he goes, wherever, whenever we're in the same town. I try to get as many glimpses of that greatness as I can, regardless of situation. No, I didn't see him this weekend. Uh, I saw some friends posting pictures of him at parties and stuff. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, I did sort of see him through someone else's phone. All right, all right. Rafe, you are a veteran of the Philippines, like I mentioned up top. Um, you've been there many times, lived there, worked there, engaged there. Did some things there. I have a question that I didn't prep you with, though. Have hmm. you ever been to the Philippine Village Hotel by any chance? I don't believe I have. Where? Where is it? It's in Manila. I think so. Yeah, because I was listening to old Bob Arum interviews, and I sort of stumbled on this. And we all went back to the Philippine Village Hotel, and we had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women in my life in one short period of business. Rafe, uh, any any thoughts on what Bob's saying? Can you uh, um, can you compare notes and? Uh... 
I will not, uh, I would not say hashtag me too to that, uh, either in a literal sense, uh, uh, pertaining to my own experiences, uh, nor to, uh, the appropriateness of, uh, Bob's recollections. He might be, I wonder if that's what the Manila Hotel, the, one of the famous old hotels in, in, you know, old Manila, or not, not exactly Intramuros old Manila. Anyway, I don't need to go into geography. Um, that's one of the old famous hotels in the center of Manila. That maybe back then it was called the, the, whatever Bob was calling it. Um, he also might not know the name of the hotels. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm glad he, he enjoyed his time there. I kind of wish that the Philippines were not, um, such a sex tourism destination, but, uh, it's a messed up world and that's just one of the many problems in it. Wow. Bob just brought us up and you just brought us right back down, Rafe, by going socio-political on me. But hey, that's fine. That's <laughs> totally fine. Rafe, a wild weekend of fights. I I enjoyed myself Saturday with that triple header. Uh, Boxeo felt like it was back. We saw some wildness. We saw some entertainment. We saw Danny Garcia one-punch KO from hell on Brandon Rios in their Showtime main event from Las Vegas. First of all, Rafe, I don't want to be the type of guy who said I told you so when predicting a one-punch KO against a Walsh welterweight, but you got to give me this credit. Like the great Lara Holm, I know this game. <laughs> I know this game, Rafe. Come you, on, man. You you called this shot. I should have. You were you were telling me, and I was not listening to you, Brian. You know this game, but I gotta say, I was I I felt not obviously vindicated, but I felt like you know at least justified in my over overconfidence in Brandon Rios going into that, that fight. He 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 was the guy who I thought. He was going to be in this fight. It turned out that Danny Garcia is just better than that guy and was able to land enough huge, you know, single shot counters that eventually, you know, wore him down to the point where he was going to get one shot like that. Um, and, you know, so so I, I, I'm I'm OK being wrong in a way that, you know, it, sometimes it's fun to take a risk. You know, it's not, you see this crazy far out possibility. You just have that gut feeling. Maybe it'll happen. And you just want to you want to you want to go for it, you know. Even though you know it's not true, you just you just want to put your you, when it comes down to nut cutting time, you want to put something on the line. You want to go for it. You want to bang. We, we, got, we got to bang him a little bit. I mean, we're not banging him. I mean, they 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 brought the bang here, Rafe. And by the way, it did take me ninety minutes to find that Larry Holmes soundbite, but it was so worth it. From that Brian Valoria, uh, Hernan Tyson Marquez fight. Uh, I know this game, Brian. Uh, you know, here's the thing that I think people missed about this fight because you know I I wrote a recap. I, the the editors at CBSSports.com, you know, did one of those general DSG make statement with knockout win over Brandon Rios and I tweet that out and of course everybody's going statement he beat up a, an old punching bag who sucks and here's the thing that everyone's missing Brandon Rios didn't suck on Saturday night like at 31 is he is he more washed than prime of course he is but he got back in shape he dialed back the guy of old you know what he didn't do for most of this fight which I predicted and expected he would do Walk into oncoming traffic with his hands down. You know what he did do was vary his offense and actually make DSG, who, yes, was battling a bit of ring rust, and he admitted it since we haven't seen him since last March against Keith Thurman, but he made things difficult for him. Rafe, two things. I never thought at one point that DSG was going to be in trouble by punches. No, I never thought that. Two, I never thought that DSG was going to be suspect to losing a decision. So I don't want to overplay it, but I do want to say, give Brandon Rios credit. He was not completely washed out there. Like, he was really difficult for, let's say, four to five rounds. 
before DSG, who ended up finishing him in round nine, really started to line up those counter shots, and it felt like it was a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, he it was it was basically the what the the, the good version of Brandon Rios, the, the pressure fighter who stays on top of his of his opponent and really never stops throwing short little inside shots, crazy sort of overhand rights, whatever. Basically, anything he can he can he can slap and hit you with he's he's throwing at him and he, that toughness that that sort of motor that was all there and you know if if Danny hadn't gotten him out of there if if Danny's power had not been enough to sort of wear, you know get get him to that point where he was ready to be taken out you never know that what that is the kind of fight that could turn in the last couple of rounds if he manages to you know more in like a fatigue way just if 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 Garcia were not especially coming off you know a long a long layoff and maybe not uh, maybe not being totally ready to go, you know, 12 hard rounds again. It's the kind, even though Rios got, you know, lost probably every round, maybe won one of the rounds in the middle. Um, even, even, even though he's clearly losing the fight and gets knocked out, that's the kind of thing. If he doesn't get knocked out, the last couple of rounds could get pretty tense. I know that's where your JoJo Dan pick over uh, Kell Brook back in the day was almost you know it almost came back to life here in the way you he was coming it, back yeah look he made DSG work I liked for DSG's credit that you know we know him as the left hook finisher that was a pretty stiff right handed shot I mean you watch those replays that was nasty the way Rios oh my God. neck turned and he fell flat on his back now of course he cried that you know he wanted to die in the ring essentially and you know this is where we have to be real with you <laughs> and say. Man, he sounded really bad in that post-fight interview. Like, just so shot. So, like, you just want him to retire. For everything I just said about how he looked good for four or five rounds, hearing him talk made you never want to see him again. And then it was almost sad to hear him say, like, you know, come on, I could have kept fighting. I want to die in there. You need to kill me in there. Like, I get that kind of talk when you're a little bit more prime, but now when you're in that dangerous territory where we want to just yank you out, like, uh, you know, Apollo Theater style, like, that gets tough. Well, yeah, um, Rios, at least by the looks of things, is sometimes, you know, he, at least, you know, we don't actually know, like, we're not in there, we're not his trainers, we're not his doctors, we're not any of that stuff, but by the looks of things, you know, it's scary when he says that stuff because you, you just sort of watch him and be like, well, dude, you might not be that far from, you know, getting that kind of result or wow. getting seriously hurt in a ring morbid bartholomew I mean, here this is i'm great. sorry like the, the, you know we all I, look we we have enormous respect for for brandon rios's chin and the kind of pressure and punishment the, pre, the pressure he can put on in a fight and the punishment he can take it not very few boxers can are, are can do it and and those who can usually i mean he's lasted pretty long for fighters who fight that way right um, so you, he gets credit for that, but at the same time, you, it is impossible not to also be thinking of, of the, the long-term or short-term consequences of that, which could be really, really serious. And, and you, yeah, you, you don't want to see him face the worst of that, uh, if, you know, and you want to see everyone around him do everything they can to prevent that. That doesn't mean he shouldn't fight. Um, but it definitely means that fight should have been stopped. I mean, like yeah, he no he no he beat the count, but you could tell he was he was not in good shape. Uh, even though he he was sort of he was trying to sell the the fact that he was, but it that was not going to get any better for him. Uh, and I'm glad they stopped that fight. Rios, uh, you know, and and I get the other thing is this felt like sort of the best he's going to be at this point in his career. In which case, while we can applaud him for being very game and putting in a good good a good performance making this a good fight you also kind of think man do do i really want to see him go through this again just to sort of 
get beat up by better well, guys at 147. That's the interesting dilemma because I'm like, well, you know what? Props to him. He went out on a shield. He didn't quit like he did against Bradley where he basically just didn't get up and sat down and was out of shape and didn't want to be there. Good for him. He went out on a shield. No, bad for him. He can barely talk like this is bad. So it does put you in that in that sort I mean, of weird spot. On some level, you know, Brandon Rios, we've been covering him for years and he's always that he's always sounded a, kind of like that. So I don't yeah. know if that's if if that's just how he speaks. Um but yeah, he 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 whether it is because of the you know the brain injuries associated with with boxing or or just how the man talks he you can hear him slurring these days and apologize for anybody hearing me sniffing coughing just being gross right now i hope any of that didn't get on the air but hey that's boxing this is real rafe the end of this fight spun out kind of interesting in the fact that this was in las vegas so sean porter uh was there cuz he lives there keith thurman was there at ringside i assume showtime flew him in you know who wasn't there though Errol Spence Jr., maybe the best welterweight in the world. You know who wasn't mentioned on the broadcast? Errol Spence Jr., which produced a, a fun tweet from him where he was like, you know, them guys so lame. Because what we saw was a circus reaction afterwards where Sean Porter channeled his his inner Shane Mosley against Floyd Mayweather that time, right? Post-Marquez fight where he jumps in the ring, causes him kind of fake minor fracas, which does get uh Jim. Was that Jim Gray doing the get off my lawn type stuff there? Jim Gray? I don't know. I, it's hard to understand what. Made Jim Gray so upset, and why he was so protective of Danny Garcia's night. He's like, no, 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 Sean. This is Danny's night. No, no. Have some respect. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I love seeing. What does that mean? This is Danny's night. Like, it... who's that referee that does that all the time? That does the uh, that takes over way too much. The, the West Coast referee. You know who I'm talking about. He's You're like... talking about Jay Nady? Yeah. Or, no, no, or... no. The the other guy, the white guy from California, is a realtor. Come on, this guy. Jack Reese. Jack Reese always does the get off. It was very Jack Reese like. But you know, I actually give Porter credit for kind of going after what he wants, like standing yeah. out, of, stepping out of character. But here's the overall problem: you have Porter calling for a fight for Garcia doesn't really like I wouldn't hate that fight but doesn't really deserve it I mean bounce back from a loss to Thurman with a with a good win over Berto and another jobber win hasn't done a lot and then you have Showtime and PBC almost sort of pushing the narrative of DSG and, and Thurman should rematch first before anybody fights Spence and I have a problem with that like it's not a if that's the way it plays out it's not horrible but you know what happened last year Spence had this breakout win against Kell Brook. You know what happened next, Rafe? He didn't box again. And you know what's happening next as we enter 2018? We're mad that Keith Thurman doesn't want to fight Errol Spence. And now it seems like Showtime and PBC don't want anybody big to fight Errol Spence. Did you get them? Did you catch them feels from that? Because I was sort of like, what's going on here? I don't, I, I, I didn't necessarily, uh, get that sense from Showtime and PBC. Although I guess if, if, if you're, if, if, all those guys managed to end up in Vegas and Spence was not there, then maybe there is something going on up top. Uh, I just sort of felt it was those three guys all being like, you know, between Keith Thurman, Sean Porter and Danny Garcia, uh, all, all basically <laughs> saying like, let's all challenge each other a lot and build <laughs> up hype so we can fight each other and then not fight that guy. Like, you know, and you know, it, it makes sense. Um, Errol Spence, look, I would pick him pretty easily even those are those are all really good fighters i don't think I, I i don't see errol spence having trouble with any of them well this this welterweight name your dennis ugas who i was not high on or knew much about ko'd uh not sugar ray robinson on on the uh pbc undercard there he's been it, it moved him up higher in the ibf rankings he's the mandatory yeah, now right he wants spence he's calling him out so it kind of made me go you know what is spence's 2018 gonna look like 
your Dennis Ugas and maybe like a Devin Alexander type. If that does, Rafe, I'm going to be really disappointed. So I want to I want to hit you up with sort of my welterweight power power uh, pound for pound rankings. If we're if we're going to be really honest right now as to who really is the best relative, not of what you accomplished, who really is the best, like who would beat who, who are the best welterweights in the world. I want to sort of hit you up with these rankings, and then we got to try to figure out where these guys are going and why we can't get the fights we should, or maybe it's another debate of slowly playing it out is better for all of us, and we just don't know it, right? Because we always want the best to fight the best this month and next month and three months from now and four months from now, and then it's sort of like we're going to end up with the UFC, right? Well, yeah, or, or, you know, if that happened every month, then it's hard to see where the sport would be a year from now. So, I mean, we would have seen a, 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 a crap load of wonderful fights, uh, and these guys would have chewed each other up into mincemeat, and we'll be watching, you know, I don't know, whoever's, whoever's still standing fight in, uh, Friday Night Fights level stuff. And so that's the interesting part of this debate, and it's something Angel Garcia said after the fight at the press conference. He's like, all you haters out there, all you journalists, all you fans, you're the problem. The fact that you give people so much crap for losses means that fighters essentially hug to their unbeaten record way more than they should. He's like, look at MMA. And he was praising MMA. He said, these guys have four, five, six, seven, ten losses, and they can be rebuilt back up into a big fight and nobody blinks twice. He goes, it's all your fault. And I really start to think about that, Rafe. And it was in- it's, it's interesting because we want more of what MMA did. Right. Even though MMA is sort of having its own problems right now when people are suddenly writing these stories that boxing is back and MMA is dead, which is partially true in all that regard. But it's like maybe the, the best area, best idea is a middle ground. We want it where losses wouldn't matter as much, even though we love these unbeaten versus unbeaten fights. We would want guys to take more chances. We would want anybody to pull what Kel Brook did, by the way. Right. Kel Brook fought Triple G when nobody wanted to fight him. He fought Spence when nobody wanted to fight him when he could have. And now so, everybody's like, yeah, Kel Brook was never very good to begin with. He's washed. He's and got now no he's got eyeballs. Two, two broken yeah. eyeballs. So, look, it actually, in modern day 2018 boxing businessmen, it actually is a worthy debate, Rafe, of wh- whether if we get, if we actually got what we actually want as boxing fans, would we not be happy and would we complain, right? So it's interesting because these are the problems UFC is going through now because they say they never can sustain stars because they're always putting their best guy against another really good opponent four months later. Before I sort of get into the lay of the land here at Welterweight, what is the perfect middle ground, you think, for boxing right now? I I don't know. One I mean, softy I, I... per year and one softy and one really hard fight? Is that the Is that where we're at? I think guys at the top of the sport should be in mostly competitive fights. Now, are they always going to be – is it always going to be a Spence Thurman, Spence Garcia, Thurman Garcia level fight? Of course not because once they knock each other off, they kind of – then a guy falls back down and needs to either build himself back up or move to another division or whatever the heck happens to him after that. Um, but you – the thing is the – I guess I would say how I would like to see it is if the the middle ground fights were better. Good call. If they, Good call. If if instead of and and we see that in PBC because they have this deep bench of uh, of welterweights with name recognition who just aren't as good as they were five years ago. I mean, whether it's, you know, the other fight from this weekend, Devin Alexander and Victor Ortiz, uh, you know, I'm sure they can pull Josecito Lopez out of the, out of somebody's hat if they need him. Berto, I'm sure will still reap the harvest of a payday. <laughs> it's um, coming. That harvest these, is coming. All right. You know, there, there are these guys out there who, uh, Broner, I mean, Broner is basically in that, that, that category now. And he'll, if, if you're, if he's, in, you know, um, you know, a free man and, 
and uh, and and needs money, he'll fight at 147 and get beat by somebody and and sell that fight too. They have these guys who we know they aren't really that competitive as fights, but they're just gonna get them because it's easy to throw their name in there, and and then you can match them up against each other like we saw this weekend. Although that and I don't and that that almost seems more ingenious by having that stupid draw between Devin Alexander and Victor Ortiz. Now both of them are viable to fight Danny <laughs> Garcia and Keith Thurman, like instead so of just one of them. You want basically Spence Peterson type fights instead of DSG versus Salka and that dude named Vargas, right? Like that's really what you'd prefer. Like obviously if instead of a Spence Peterson, it was really good welterweight against washed welter who we love like Berto and Ortiz like we'll take that because it's entertaining it's fun we just want to get rid of the other crap fights like if you're going to do those crap let's not make a Garcia Salka a main event let's not make it a you know a thing right let's not allow and Garcia Salka you got I mean that was so many years ago but there there's still fights that are you know I if not that infuriating I mean that is probably the gold standard for what the heck are these guys doing uh, but there have been, you know, there are plenty of other things in that that territory. Right. Um, and I guess it does it it, it does. Uh, you're, I'm starting to work myself up here. The lather is starting to come in. You know, uh, we were, we were halfway through the first round. I'm starting to the sweat. I'm starting to get a nice sweat. Um, Gross. Well, I'm starting like, to get like I'm starting to get a little annoyed chair? by this whole Aerosmith situation now because like why this is your best guy. So why why is he getting he, and he's basically getting punished for being their best guy because. All the guys who would be who should be fighting him, you know, are looking to fight somebody else. And, okay, and so pause that. Pause that, that. You're right. You're right on. And the only counter I would have made to that other argument about the MMA thing is in the '80s, the best guys fought the best guys constantly. Right? The Four Kings. We were allowed to have something like the Four Kings with Leonard, Hearns, Hagler, and Duran. Is it because we lucked into four all-time greats at one time, or Rafe? Is it more because? The best constantly fought the best, and the only way you can become a truly great crossover name is by constantly fighting and beating the best. And if you happen to lose to the best, you retool and come back again, right? So I do want to counter and say, yes, like, look, there is a middle ground that we need, but let's not forget it used to be like this and it used to work just fine, except for the fact that everybody would be shot by, like, 45 and not be able to talk. So if that's your argument, I get it. All right, your point on Spence is right on. Let me interrupt you and hit you with my welterweight pound-for-pound rankings and we see where this goes from here. Is this this a Gotti list here or a pound-for-pound list? This Um, is who's the best right now. Essentially, who would be who in order to make some Gotti list jokes. It's it's definitely – I wish I had a Gotti list soundbite right there. That's fantastic. Number one, Errol Spence Jr., He's, okay. he's the best welterweight in the world. He would be every other welterweight in a mythical matchup here. True. It is true. But based on what we think about him. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, where, how far behind, how, well, go ahead, keep going. Number two, Terrence Crawford. Of course. So how, how, you know, let's do this myth, not really do the mythical matchup, but you think Spence is a full step up from there? I think it's a slight step. We don't know enough. Of, but to be honest, we don't know enough about both of them, right? Against that is true. The, uh, consistently against the very elite. It's very heavy on the eye test right now, but the eye test is telling yeah. you these two are on another level than the guys below them. So the guys below them, three, Keith Thurman, I'm very qualified and content saying that. Four, I still say Kell Brook. I still say Kell Brook. I think that if you're saying there's levels to this, Floyd's not in the game anymore. It's Spence and Crawford in the Floyd spot. It's Thurman and maybe Brook right below him, and it's everybody else who I'm going to read you their names in order in a second. But I still think Kell Brook can be in that area where if he can get his eyes healthy again, what is he, around 30 years old? He could defeat all of those like third-tier elite welterweights if we're putting tiers in the elite box. 
Right. Then I go Danny Garcia, number five, Sean Porter, number six, Mikey Garcia, number seven. And I think that he's more talented than most of the guys before him, but we don't really know whether he can hold up at 147. And then Pacquiao, eight, and then it gets really gross after that with your... No no love for the Hornet, huh? No, no love no, for the Hornet? No, reigning, no. reigning welterweight champion? No love for the Horn uh, right now, although we are, I am hashtagged Horn right now talking about these welters. But uh, that's sort of where I stand. So... Yeah, I mean, you can agree or disagree, put one guy in a different spot, say, hey, Kilbrook's washed, he hasn't served before, whatever you want to do. But that sort of makes some sense there, right? Thurman 3, Garcia 5, Porter 6, we're sort yeah, of— Yeah, I think I think people—some people may quibble with Brooke in that, you know, and, and just in that we'd like to see him come back and look good again uh, before you, you, you drop him right back in there, but— uh, he, you know, the the brook the brook who walked into the ring against Errol Spence, I would pick basically for right, you know, maybe even to beat Keith Thurman. Um, so here's our problem and- with this, Rafe, though. Crawford can't fight any of these guys except for maybe Pacquiao, which would only really give him a commercial boost, which he needs, and I want him to get that and all that. He can't really fight any of these guys. Yeah, he can. Maybe he can fight M- Mikey Garcia someday. I mean, that that that. Although obviously there's some bad blood between uh, Garcia and his camp and and Top Rank, but um. And anybody who is, thought that's the closest we're looking at. And uh, anybody who said that. when Top Rank went to ESPN, it just created a third league. They might be right if you think about it, because nobody's going to fight Spence. It looks like this year of of high regard. Nobody's going to fight Crawford of high regard unless he gets Manny. And then everybody else is a PBC welterweight who may fight each other to eventually produce a Spence opponent. So we're still playing the long Mayweather-Pacquiao game right now, right? We're still playing that game. It looks that way, and those guys both have to keep winning and sort of make a make a case that 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 a, a super fight, you know, is is actually is actually worth doing for the for those promoters. I hope it happens. That that's not necessarily even a given at this point. Both would have to be pay per view brands. But here's the thing, Rafe. Again, you only become a pay per view brand. By beating other big, big fights. names who that casual fans know and beating them in places where casual fans can buy can buy that fight or see that fight or see hype for that fight, right? Or or have, find a way to get it. Like in a real world right now, we'd be building towards Spence Crawford at the end of this year, right? In a real world, or or if not, we'd be building toward Spence Thurman on one side and Crawford. Danny Garcia or anybody else on the other side, or even Pacquiao if you want to. Like, that's fine. But we would be advancing and building and getting to where they're playing each other. Like, we're lucky right now. Your cruiserweight division, the best are fighting the best. Heavyweight, (laughs) the best are fighting the best. Other divisions to a certain degree, right? The smaller weight classes, for sure. The best are fighting the best in this impromptu tournament. Man, we need I, our guy Richard Schaefer and and Kale Sauerland to come in and just restore some order in the world down here. Put these guys in a bracket and make them fight it out. You know, I, I know mean, that will on, never let me happen. Say, but... Let me say first something, right? Like that would be the best thing ever. Let me say first something. I mean, come on, Richard Schaefer. So uh, I don't know. I guess what my ultimate point here is, though, but like we're really just setting up playing games for Spence and hoping that somebody will cash that in. But man, what? would it take right now the way the landscape is to actually see Spence Crawford? Like, it's pretty much impossible, right? They're not big enough brands to warrant some kind of double network joint pay-per-view, so we're out of friggin' luck, right? For now, yeah, I mean, and but the thing is, at least on with Spen- on Spence's side, there's that feeling that, look, there's plenty of good work to, for him to, to, to do uh, with other PBC fighters if they will give it to him. Uh, and uh, so so you don't, you know, that that, that pressure to make Spence Crawford when Crawford hasn't even fought at welterweight yet uh it feels you know it doesn't feel quite as intense um true I'm jumping know, I think the guy the guy the guy who I think will uh w- might be able to at least 
saw, give us some interim solutions to the, this pro, the problem this year is Sean Porter. Cause he's that, you know, I mean, he, he, we've, we kind of know his ceiling, but we also know that he's, he's going to come in and give a very tough, good effort and that you need to, you have to beat him. Otherwise he will beat you. Uh, and it's not fun to fight him. He's going to be, you know, all, uh, uh, you know, pumping and a thrusting all over you with arms and legs, everything he's got, maybe some drool. I mean, he's a, he's an intense dude in there. Um, and, um, you know, I'm hopefully, hopefully, I know that this weekend he was basically saying, uh, who, Errol who? I've never heard of this man. Oh, there's a guy named Errol Spence who fights in my division. Um, however, if PBC can sort of, you know, give Porter enough money or lean on him in, in some meaningful way to, to do an Errol Spence fight, that is kind of the good middle ground fight you're for right. Errol Spence so you just while fixed, these other guys figure it out. You fix the situation for the end of this year. What you're saying is Thurman comes back next week, next month, whatever, against the softy, and then we see Thurman, Danny Garcia too, later this year, and we see Spence Porter. That's actually perfect because, like you said, Porter's going to bring that MMA style, and we don't know how Spence would handle that. So that is – all right, you just brought me back to a, to a point of understanding. Then the winners face each other next year, and then I'm really happy. So, And then if TC can build up his brand against Pacquiao in the meantime, then we can begin the three-year build towards Spence Crawford, right? I don't know if you've been listening to our guy, Pauli Malinaji, kind of do a little – tease a little – tease the bag a little bit on uh, – you know, uh, Horn Crawford. I, by the way, how funny is it that there's going to be an ESPN pay-per-view card with the, the, the top name on the bill is Jeff Horn. Uh, Uh. thanks to that. Thanks to that belt. Uh, anyway, but Paulie, you know, and we know, we know Paulie cause he, you know, was a clean fighter throughout his career, was very proud about it and and couldn't move up in weight very effectively. He, he doesn't, he doesn't really approve of these sort of things. And he, and this is sort of one of his favorite, you know, kind of bells to ring again and again and again. He's out here saying that he thinks Horn Crawford is going to be way more competitive than, than, than anyone believes just because, you know, you know, hashtag horned teacher with the high voice. He likes to, you know, he he gets in there and makes it ugly. He's going to rough him up. He's a big welterweight, blah, 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 blah. You give any credence to this, this little, or is this just Paulie just pushing his favorite thing about weight classes? Well, speaking of Paulie pushing things, I did try to interrupt you wrongly just to play this. Yeah, I just wanted great moments in poly history. Uh, it's interesting because he has no dog in that fight, right? Like, he's not training with Horn or anything. So that is interesting, the idea that although Bud is way more talented and would probably win in the end, Horn is the type of face-first fighter in his prime who's going to run face-first and make it a tougher fight than we realize, maybe has more craft than we realize. Because, look, he beat Wash Manny, whether you like the scorecard or not. It was it was a competitive fight, and he was in there against him. That's an interesting take. I think that... Bud, and here's the thing about Bud, and here's what separates him from anybody else not named Spence, Rafe. Is he remember, played in the NBA All-Star Celebrity that's Game? What that separates, separates him. That's yeah. right there. That's the, but uh, remember when he started on HBO before he got exciting against guys like Gamboa when he was boring? he could. I loved him then. He could stink out a fight in a good way at any time with those long arms and the quickness that even if Horn was hashtag horned up and all kinds of in his face and Stephen A. Smith was like, you're Manny Pacquiao. You do not need to be getting knocked out and put to sleep by Joe Horn. Even if Joe Horn is up in his grill, Rafe, you still feel like TC is going to be able to, like, stick the fist, just the tip of the fist in his face just for a second, just to see how it feels and run around if he felt any kind of trouble, and then walk him down and put him away late. So I don't give a lot of credence to what Paulie is saying right there. But 
what was interesting though is that uh, no, I, I forgot. I forgot what was interesting. Where were we going? Where were we spinning? We're, we're doing Porter Spence with possibilities. We're trying to figure out where the welterweight division goes. Maybe a year from now. How do we? How do we get to Spence Crawford someday? Yeah, assuming three, they are these guys, we think that they are. It's really two to three years from now. We would have to hope that the. The TV landscape would change in the meantime. So, you know, it's interesting, Rafe. Those are the elite welters that we went through. But, you know, we don't want to pass over wash welters. Hashtag my favorite thing in the world. Hashtag old guy fights. Hashtag contender. This was more fun than we thought it was. We thought Victor Ortiz and Devin Alexander and man was in our DMs. Was I pushing it hard? Like, are you guys kidding me? How do you not see that Devin's not going to end this fight? The first combination he lands in like round three was not the case, Rafe, because Victor Ortiz and Devin Alexander fought to a majority draw in El Paso, Texas on Fox, Big Fox, big time TV, Big Fox, meaning I had neighbors when I went out to take out the trash that were like, hey, did you see that fight on Fox last night? Really crappy decision, <laughs> right? And I'm like, yes, Boxeo's back. I did see VO. Come on. I'm like, oh, my God. Dude, this is nuts. I can't believe people are talking about it. This is great. Rafe, a lot of storylines to touch here, even separate from the bad decision, which we'll get to in a second. VO, the new father. Hey, he bit down hard. Like, we've seen... Colazo and Josecito types like send him to hell and make him quit. He never quit. Like, not not a bad fight. Wasn't a great fight. Wasn't an all time action fight. Pretty damn fun though. Yeah, it was. It was fine. You know, I, I, and I he didn't quit. He made it through the fight, which tells us hey. And he got he got hit hard a few times. You know, he got. Oh God, I oh, didn't mean to do man. that. Um, <laughs> hey, that black guy, he hits hard. Um, you know, you know, he, he was, he, he got caught with a lot of clean counters. He took a decent punch. You know, we don't think of, of Alexander outside of, outside of, uh, you know, our guy Juan Urango, uh, as a great knockout puncher, but, um, you know, he's got, he, he, they were clean shots and, and, Honestly, we weren't even sure that, that, that Victor Ortiz would, you know, stand up to a clean shot. Uh, so he proved that. He got through the fight. Uh, they got the draw. I, you know, it was pretty fun. Uh, and he was, you know, Ortiz, Ortiz managed to do some work late, right? He can, he, you know, I think the, yeah. the, the, the broadcast team may have been overselling, uh, you know, Alexander's dominance a little bit in that, in that, you know, he, there were rounds where, where Devin wasn't, was sort of taking it, taking it a little bit easy, uh, just working the jab and, and then, uh, Ortiz would come in and, and rough him up a little bit. Well, the, here's what's interesting. Like Ortiz's biggest problem outside of just no heart and chant. And that's, that's being real, right? That's being honest, right? Like that's been his biggest problem as he's been in and out of the ring. Until and we get any other reason to say otherwise you you can't really not say that about well him. his biggest problem outside of that has been squaring up Rafe right away and putting his hands down even against Saul Corral that that jobber who probably drove the uber on the way home after that fight that he was coming in straight forward and Vio got lit up in that fight he just was facing a guy who literally could not punch he actually boxed like this looked a lot more like the VO against Birdo than it did any other version of him afterwards. You know, like he really came in there and he boxed early. He did sort of square up in the middle rounds, but you got to give him that credit. His best round was round seven. And from that point on, like you said, VO made it a fun, made it a fun fight and really took Devin off of his game. So that's why if you are in the camp of the awful Texas judges who said, no, that is more of a draw than you guys realize. Look, I scored at nine to three for Alexander. I thought I think even, you're about with, right. <laughs> even with VO's pressure, he was carving him up. He was landing clean shots. Uh, you know, but you give VO a lot of credit. I'll say this about Devin. Like, this was a fight where both, yes, both were elevated. So that's why the draw doesn't make you that angry in the end, right? Because both were going to get elevated to get another fight anyway. I don't know. Brian, do you, do you really feel like 
they are actually elevated like in a way that you want to see them in in the kind of meaningful fights that they probably are both going to get now well i was going to soft i was going to put a soft underlining on that i would say vo is elevated to get a big name carnival fight right and not be a joke like if he got rios next which i want to talk about in a second that'd be great right that'd be fine Devin is ultimately going to be a B-side in a title fight and get served up to a Spence, right? So I felt like Devin didn't necessarily turn the clock back to, like, even, you know, Devin from the Porter fight, which he lost. But he was, you know, he, he had his moments in that there. Was a, that, was a, that was a close fight. Yeah. Um, you know, he's not that guy anymore after taking two years off, admitted the painkiller addiction, which was, you know, good to see him bounce back from that. But he's close enough to respectability. He's going to end up being a B-side to Spence, and it'll be fine. So, yes, he was elevated in that regard, Rafe. He's not shot, yeah. right? I mean, when no, you... he's, not, he's not shot. He's not shot. But it's just, you know, this is this is one of those like little boxing mirage things where you put two oh, guys true. who you both you know their names, you've seen them in some good fights, and they're both a full level below the, the best that they once were. And you see them in a competitive fight against each other. You can then think of, oh, I've seen them in competitive fights at a higher level. So maybe they're still at that level when they're not. And then they're going to get thrown in at that level and then get blown out. And you're just going to be like, oh, I should have seen this all along. But that's that's life. Yeah, I, get, I mean, you're basically telling me that's not allowable, right? No, you're not. That is not permissible. That is not allowable. Uh, so, Rafe, it's true. So, in the end, they both get elevated, but not to crazy levels. Because, look, this fight coming in, we we thought it could be a train wreck. We thought it could be. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it was, but it wasn't. So, the spinoff is that they're both going to get fights. But the... The bad spinoff that got muted again because they both ended up looking decent was that this was a really awful, awful set of scorecards. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, I had a nine to three. If you had to have it seven, five, Devin, that would be fine. Instead, we got one fourteen, one fourteen twice, Rafe, and we got and, one. And Victor won the other one. We got one fifteen, one thirteen for Victor. So right away, you're like Gil, the ghost of Gil Van Hoy, the ghost of Lawrence Cole. Right away, you're basically like, like you know. Shout out to, you know, let me pour one out for Texas. Here's to God in football in 10 years from now, Street. Good friends living large in Texas. Texas forever, Street. Texas forever. Yo, everybody, listen up. Let's do it. Let's touch God this time, boys. I mean, touch God. Texas forever, Rafe. Don't ever change Texas, right? That's the way we live our lives down there. I mean, we, we, I think it was not a huge surprise to see some weird scorecards coming out of uh, El Paso this weekend. Oh, wow. Way to, way to just soft play my sound burst right there. Uh, Rafe, then VO spinning. Okay, Alexander's going to spin out. He's going to fight probably Danny Garcia or Spence. Let's be honest, right? He's going to be a B-side for somebody else, and that's fine. Uh, VO looked like he can still take a punch, and people aren't going to throw pizza at him. So VO Rios really is the logical spinoff from this, right? Like, there's nothing else you should do but that. Make it a yeah. big main event on, on Fox if you have to. On Yeah, honest, because I don't even think those guys don't even look like they'd hurt each other that bad at this point. Um, and um, it's the, you know, it's like the, the only unfinished business in their careers, so they might as well. All right, Rafe. That was what happened on Saturday. We'll get to the WBSS in a second. A Friday card we didn't even preview. I forgot it happened. Was that Ray Beltran? Former Spanish sparring partner for Manny Pacquiao, uh, won a world title finally after being basically the Susan Lucci slash Rocky Juarez of, of title chasing for a while, claims the WBO vacant 135 belt in a supposedly all action fight on ESPN over 39 year old Paulus Moses. 
Uh, Rafe, you know what? Despite the feel-good pictures of Beltron hugging the belt in bed afterwards, despite the feel-good Kriegel father-son story ahead of time about how this may have saved Ray Beltran from getting deported, that's all good stuff. I didn't really care about this fight to the point that I didn't know it was happening and I haven't went back and rewatched it. Rafe, I think I'm subliminally, subconsciously boycotting ESPN fights right now because of Teddy without really realizing it. Is it a Kriegel thing or is it they they did my man Teddy wrong that I'm just sort of like, you know what? Turto, Zerto, I don't care. Ray Beltran, I don't care. Like, this wasn't a real fight. Like, right? Come on. Well, I think you're just boycotting fights that are not very interesting, which is, you know, I mean, I, I miss Teddy too. Uh, but it, honestly, there's just something that, you know, this is, this was, this felt like a Friday night fights card and it was on a Friday night. Um, yes, there was a real belt at stake, but, or not, I wouldn't say real. There was a belt at stake. Um, which is more than we used to see in the, the FNF days, but the, the level, you know, a couple of old guys who no one really ever cared about, uh, who, who'd never beat, any really good fighters themselves, uh, you know, it's nice not, you know, it's like a, like a late era Glenn Johnson fight on Friday night fights to me. I don't, you know, it's, so you're not boycotting ESPN and, and when, and when the good, you know, when the better matchups come around, like oh, March, I mean, they have, um, Scott Quigg and, and, uh, Oscar, uh, Oscar Valdez. Yes. That's, that's, yes. that's an awesome fight. They have some really hot stuff coming up, which I think, you know, we'll jump right back in the saddle and be, be, you know, hyping up beforehand and ready to watch. It's just, you know, they, they got dates to fill and they, they put boxing on the air. I'm not mad at them for that. And these guys, you know, they just get to keep them busy. You do want to see Teddy make a, verbal comeback though like there's this like weird narrative that like did Kriegel force him out where is this an agent thing what's going on here like will we hear Teddy finally give one of these you think I care about what the freak that guy that acted that way that behaved that way that I care what he thinks I'm saying no can we get that can we get Teddy just going off to some like low-level like boxing blogger on some at some fight just like challenging Kriegel to a fight I mean yeah we do we do need Ellie to like run up on uh to run up on Teddy at some event and be like you know Teddy what what really happened behind the scenes at ESPN and uh you know just let Teddy you know just cut the wrestling promo of all time I don't think he can talk though because I think he's still under contract for like sports center work for a while so I don't think yeah you're still I mean he's still doing fight plans that they put online you know he's still he he is like the press release said he is still an important an, an integral part of ESPN's boxing coverage you just won't see him on tv oh man so look it makes me not care about some of these fights i'm sorry I I, look that was the thing like a, a a boring espn card used to at least have teddy you know who yes. drove drove look we, we we're in the we're in teddy's camp uh obviously he drove lots of people crazy like there are a lot of people who are just like thank god he's gone he made no sense i didn't need that on my tv i i personally disagree with those people but uh from yeah and and during those sort of friday night fights whatever things at least you could you could get you could get through the night with some teddy jokes you know you get it's like the warm that you know you get that warm cozy feeling every time you start hearing about flies on the windshield and putting water <laughs> in the basement you know we need that all right. Hey, moving on, Rafe. WBSS semifinals. This was the fight of the weekend that, in terms of real fights, may have been the best one on paper. And, you know, pageantry, passion-wise, it sort of lived up to that. It was from Manchester, England. George Groves, UD12 over Chris Eubank Jr. in an all-Brit war to defend the WBA 168-pound title and advance to the World Boxing Super Series finals. Rafe. You know what my biggest takeaway from this fight was? 
outside of the great ring entrances that Britain always does and always blows us away. Chris Eubank, not who I thought he was, not who I thought I wanted him to be, like really disappointed me in this in this sloppy performance in which he exited with his hands up saying he A he thought he won and B he deserves a rematch. Like come on, brah. Yeah, I mean uh that that's uh, I look, uh, if he I'm not I don't care really what he has to say about I mean he, if a fighter wants to say he thinks he won, a lot of fighters do that. That doesn't that just seems like part of the game to me. But yeah, he was outclassed. He got it was just clear you're not on that level and we knew that was kind of a a possibility. This was one of those weird rare 50-50 fights on the way in where you could come up with a strong argument for either side, you know, Eubank being the fresher, faster, you know, stronger looking fighter who's just gotten riding this wave of momentum, looks like he's finally arriving against Groves, who who looked like he might have been a little weary in recent fights. And, and like maybe those those, you know, getting cobra in front of 80,000 fans at Wembley Stadium took something serious out of him. How many? Um, How many fans? 80, 80K? 80,000 to Wembley Stadium. All right. Ah, yes, yeah, yeah. Just, just, yeah, we, we got it right. We, we like to check that one. Um, but yes, uh, you know, there was that side of it. There was also the side that, which is the way it ended up playing, playing out, which was, no, you know, if, if George, if George Groves had been fighting Avani Yildrim and, um, <laughs> you know, Nick Blackwell, who we're not going to make jokes about because he got seriously injured in that fight. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, even, Spike Gary Spike O'Sullivan, who is a fun fighter and and is gonna get in some love on HBO these days. Um, if if Groves had fought those guys instead of Eubank, Groves would look like world beater too. Except he was fighting guys like Badu Jack and 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 Carl Frotch. Um, so a- anyway, we we the fight happened and we saw you know you can't hide in that ring, right? I mean the truth comes out and the truth is Eubank is not that. On that level, I don't think he can. I don't even think he can get to that level. He's just not. Well, that's the that's the disappointing part. So not to bury the lead, George Groves looked really good. Rafe, he looked poised. Like that's ultimately the thing. His jab was good, but he never broke. Even when Eubank was winging those shots and landing a few late in the fight. Even even in the twelfth round, when he threw his shoulder out and fought the last two minutes with with just his right arm, he still was not. You know, he wasn't panicking. He he took a couple shots, but he never even looked that hurt. He never really I don't think looked hurt. So we have to actually move on from ADK with him at 29 years old he's a new fighter right we got to move on from the Hello Kitty tattoo St. George is a mature different man right now than the guy who knocked down Carl Froch and Froch and got himself into two giant fights from it like you give him that credit for the evolution because I thought Eubank was going to take him out I thought it was going to turn into a wild brawl and I thought Eubank was going to have the better technique he had no technique Rafe like no technique so you give Groves that credit but look the story really is Eubank for not taking that leap and you sent me some not See Prince Nassim Hamed sound that I want to play right now. That if you think I'm mad about you, Bank, this took it to a whole new level. This guy is not on the level he thinks he is. I think he's in dream world. You know what? I know this sounds terrible. I think he should finish. No, that's that's too hard. I should, I should, th- I think that's, he should finish. Listen, you can't. I personally don't think right. He's a hard puncher anyway. In this game, you need to get a get a jail card. You need to be able to put them away. Brought them up. You needed to smash them up. You know what? He threw. Brought them up. And then, of course, it ended with the, up, with the best sound bite. This came from, from British TV that Hamed was an announcer and it ended with this. I knew he was going to say, I'm very, very harsh right now. I knew he was going to say that, like you said it before. But please just. Which camera can I look into to tell Chris Eubanks 
junior to finish because I mean, he's just told him straight up, you're in your prime, but you need to finish. You need to retire. You need to and pull a Prince Hamed. Basically, he's saying your heart's not in it. You're not who you just, you're supposed to be. You just got spun around by by Marco Antonio Barrera and and like dunked, you know, head first into the turns into the corner post. I mean, should he finish, Rafe? I mean, I, you know, you, let's be clear what what kind of finish I'm talking about. I mean, should he should he finish? <laughs> um. Whoa, sorry, I got crazy sounds coming out of my phone. Um. I don't know. I know I don't think he should finish. I mean, I, I but I, I, it, I, it was very revealing to, 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 to me to see how the sort of the disdain that other fighters sh- sort of showed in calling out, um, Eubanks' performance over the weekend. I mean, James DeGale had a really, really, like sort of dismissive tweet like now you know you are fraud go back to your hole um you know like the like i think darren barker had you know said on 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 one of the on the maybe box nation or one of the other broadcasts he 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 was like yes basically if you can box you can beat chris eubank you know i mean it was like these guys that and that level usually you don't see fighters just crap on on other each other like that now it might maybe there's like some some background here with like just how the eubanks have been known for a a long time in in the uk boxing scene for being kind of hard to deal with they're you know not uh, sort of acting and talking as if they're better than everyone else and then coming up short in this big thing so this may just be like some schadenfreude but i think it's deeper than that i think when you see other fighters like you know who who really don't have a game in this and nasim ahmed barker across the board ahmed did verbally feud with Eubank Sr. for many years. But like that level of uh you're right there there's definitely there's, there's certainly some 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 more going on here than just uh the yeah there's some personal grudges I'm sure there always are but still that level of 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 disgust for a performance you you don't often see between fighters in that they you know they they have that that gut level respect for what it means to go in there and and fight for 12 rounds at that level and, and so it really was it, it was you know it took me back to be like wow these guys really yeah. are just calling him out for not for being a fraud and prince nasim still eating very well but rafe uh, george Gro- so eubanks only 28 by the way so let's not talk about him retiring let's talk about him taking the sport seriously even his dad eubanks senior afterwards said he didn't carry out the game plan so there was a it, cockiness that spilled out he's also that. he is a fun fighter when matched well like if, if, if chris eubanks destiny is to become a really fun tv fighter against you know against other guys Guys who aren't truly, you know, world class champion level, that's not a problem for me. I, you know, it's not. It's certainly not how he sees himself, and, he, he and I don't know a- that I believe he'll ever get to the level he thinks he's on. But that doesn't mean his career needs to end. And he could be. And and look, if he hangs around long enough, he's. I do think he's good enough to win a belt, whatever that means in boxing these days. If he he called out Caleb Truax after the after the fight and i do i think that he could beat caleb truax we love caleb truax but he I should think... fight wash de gale that would be a good winner go that home match would be that would be it's almost uh, yeah he should he should it'd be interesting he wants a rematch too he's not getting it as long as grove's shoulder does not put him out for a long time he'll go to the final here against the winner of this saturday's match rafe not to get too far ahead of us but it is this saturday in nuremberg germany when callum smith meets jürgen brammer 
in the other semifinal. I don't know if that's hashtag Road to Jeddah. I don't know where that tournament's going, Rafe. But this match that we saw Saturday was the match of the tournament in terms of names. And you know what? It delivered in terms of intensity. There was blood in terms of action and passion. Last few rounds what was were going on? What was going on with, with, with Chris Eubanks' cut man? Like, I, I, I'm not a cut man expert, maybe, maybe, but he just didn't look like he was on his stuff. Like, his, his hand was like shaking furiously the whole time. <laughs> like, he was super nervous. You could never really see the guy. Maybe he just, maybe he just, you know, can't keep his hand. He's like, got a lot of Adderall in him or something. But, uh, it was just a, it was weird, you know, and, and, and he really never did anything but like put a, put the, put the Q-tip full of whatever chemical they're allowed to put on the cut over that, that right eye. And it was pulsing. I mean, it was, he did, they, they, it was tough. Yeah, that, that was not handled well. Rafe, that was your weekend that was in fights. Couple, Wait, Brian. Yeah, what do I you got? got one what, question what, for you. What do you got for me? I got, and this is about the, the WBSS. If George Groves can't get ready by, uh, what? Right now it's supposed to be May, uh, was it May 12? That's information that's not part of my All right. life right now. If he can't, you know, and if he can't get it together or he can't get into, you know, if he, if he won't be ready to fight, uh, in the, in the final, in the, in Jeddah, uh, in May, do you really think they should just run in a substitute? No, I, I know no. that this is one of the problems with, with tournaments that, and, and we've been lucky in this one that there haven't been injuries and to, to delay anything yet, but, I, Sauerland is talking like, oh yeah, well, if George can't, we'll wait and see what the, what the scan says. Hopefully it's not bad. If George, we might be able to move it a week or two, but if George can't make it, maybe we'll just throw Eubank in there. I don't, nobody wants That's to see tough. that. I mean, maybe like, they have to fulfill the, in a certain time to get wherever the money is, wherever the, the dirty money, wherever the money for this is coming from, maybe there's a certain, you know, expectation. I understand that, but they, I would, I, I hope they exhaust every possibility to you know, if if Groves needs an extra month or whatever, you know, try and try and make that deal work because it would be a, a real letdown to uh, to 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 not see him in this when he's you know he's been the favorite, he's fought like the favorite, and uh, and it just won't uh, you know I, I don't I don't really want to see Chris Eubank fighting Callum Smith or Jurgen Bramer no, for, right. for something like that. The pro- well, the problem that I don't care that much is that. This super middleweight bracket isn't a representative of the, the best super middleweight. The anyway. So it really means nothing. But by the way, I didn't want to forget that David Benavidez, a, a, a WBC super middleweight champion, did defeat Ronald Gavrell much easier in the rematch this past Saturday. Dude, Benavidez may have some moves going for him, but the guy can fight. He's fun to watch. He's only 21. About time you give this guy the respect he deserves, Rafe. Um, You're going to have to give me the respect I deserve or I'm going to take it by force. Uh, I believe that's an old cannabis line, but otherwise, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, he beat a guy he should beat. You know, I, I, I'm still, let him fight, you know, Zerto, Turto. That's not going to happen because it's a top ranked PVC thing. But there's the, you know, there are other guys out there at 168. I, I, I'm, I say the jury is still out. I think he looks very good. Um, you're right. The, the man boobs, the moves were, were, um, eye catching in this. It kind of reminded me for all of us, uh, fans of the performance enhancing audio, reminded me of the old hash Tag Errol Spence nipple watch controversies oh, when dare you. you know no, there there are all those hormonal things that happen uh, when the moves come out you, you know I I don't know you know I, my 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 nipple watch conspiracy uh, uh, radar this. was was firing up hard. One thing Carl Frotch should do though after a performance this good from George Groves is offer him this. Would you like to shake my hand? I'd love to shake your hand. I love this. That would be that would be great to see that one more time. Oh, Rafe, you like to give a little tug? Yeah, little, little, just a little tug. Uh, Rafe, that was the fights this weekend that sort of mattered. Uh, a little bit of news before we get ahead to this weekend's cards is that uh, that April twenty first 
Brooklyn card on Showtime with the main event of Adrian the Problem Broner and Omar Figueroa took a, uh, a a turn for the worst in this past week when both guys got arrested. What the heck's going on here? Broner was arrested in an Atlanta mall for reportedly grabbing a woman by the crotch. Omar gets pulled over, gets charged with a DUI. Uh, Rafe, I don't want to blame like the, the same rap music that you and I grew up on for you know Adrian Broner's activity. But what like what's going on here, Rafe? Can like AB, you're killing us. The fight could be in jeopardy. Showtime and PBC put out a statement. Like, come on, man. Do we do we care anymore at this point? Look, I don't. I Adrian Broner has no excuses at this point, right? You, but at the same time, and he's dug this hole for himself, where he's made himself into this easy target. That you know, things are all trouble. Just is gonna keep finding him, and that's because of kind of the the this, a lot of the decisions he's made so far in his life and career. However, you know, is this does there? I I get to the point sometimes where I wonder, uh, is he, do people just know that because he's Adrian Broner, they can start some stuff with him and, and, and get a headline out of it. Like I, that, I, I video almost, of it. You know, did you see the video? And like, and at the same time, you know, Adrian Broner probably is not the most respectful person around, uh, around all women at all times. So, I mean, I, I, I you don't, you know, you don't really want to doubt the accuser, but it just seems like, I don't know. It sounds like he probably got into an argument with 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 some woman over something in a mall and, you know, touched her inappropriately in that argument. And 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 now is facing, you know, consequences for it that probably any other person would, you know, would not face, you know, would not be a big as it would kind of be like, yo, I got into a fight with this jerk off at the mall um, rather than Adrian Broner is getting arrested for grabbing people in the biscuits. But Um, let's not forget, though, he knocked out a dude on the Las Vegas street corner and pushed a woman last fall that he ended up getting a warrant for. He got arrested a bunch of times last year, did some jail time for. But that's the thing on the Las Vegas. How many that happens in the strip? Like what? 500 times a week. It's and... true. It's true. And there was weird video. There was ball video from this arrest. It didn't show the incident, but it showed the before and after when he was outside of Louis Vuitton. I don't think Miss Louis bags were there, but I don't know. I don't care. The whole point anyway, is, but like, anyway, the truth is, well, Broner put this, put himself in this position and, and trouble is going to find him regardless now. Well, the scary um, thing is that, like, we're getting to that level, Rafe. Like, he's already publicly talked about suicide in late 2016. Remember those Instagram posts where they had to pull him off the edge and Floyd stepped in? Like, we're at the point, unfortunately, where we're going to wake up one morning and see him in in jail for good or see him dead. And and you hate to put somebody in that position, but, like, we're getting there, Rafe. We really are. So in a boxing perspective, if you're PBC Al Heyman outside of intervening, it may be best to finally cash him in. And you know what that means, Rafe. Look, it may be time, Rafe. It may be time. Like, like I, that's a joke, but not really a joke. It may be time to just make that Floyd Broner fight happen. Forget McGregor. Forget all the CM Punk. Forget all this crap. If Floyd's going to come back for McGregor-type boxing matches with big paydays, why doesn't he just do the Broner one? Well, that would be a lot. I, I I would be into that. I don't. And there's probably not enough money in it for Floyd, right? I mean, I don't think they get Floyd gets to you know a uh, hundred mil. You know, his 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 nine figures that way. Um, maybe he does. Uh, but it, it seems unlikely or tough. Or maybe maybe they could do it just because Broner would probably be willing to take such a small cut. Uh, that that Floyd would 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 be able to get to his number. Yeah, I mean, look, if the, that would be fun, um, Broner, you know, I, I, you, you hate to condemn a guy, but you also can't ignore, like, you know, 
sign after sign after sign. You can't just close your eyes to it. Um, you just hope that, that something clicks, you know, and, and he, and he manages to turn things around before, you know, some, he, he gets into some truly life-changing trouble. Absolutely. I mean, I can, you know, I, sometimes I stay awake just to hear him breathing, you know? No, I, I, won't, I won't take you down that road, Rafe. Um, I will tell you though, like, but, you know, putting him in a Floyd fight might force him to like, kind of get serious for a while. Maybe it'd be a distra- a positive distraction. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Let's get out of that, Rafe. The only other Floyd news is that Conor McGregor posted something we- cryptic and weird on Instagram that he's basically saying that Floyd removed himself from whatever MMA negotiation they were having. So at least we're going in the right direction now. And, and I think, can we just stop talking about MMA and boxing crossovers like once and for all? I know we complained about it last week, but you do remember, of course, what, you know, Bob Arum said in that famous, uh, 2011 Yankee Stadium interview with, uh, Ariel Hawani before Cotto Foreman. Are you allowed right? to play that? UFC are a bunch of skinhead white guys watching people in the ring who are also look like skinhead white guys. Yeah, I cut it off before he went before he went south with that. But yeah, come on, we don't need any more. We, can we get away from like we're done? We're done with this, Rafe. I mean, Sir, Bob certainly has been done for a, quite a while. Yeah, yeah, come on, he's 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 in still he, mentally he's still in that Filipino hotel right now. You know, we know that. <laughs> Rafe, the uh, the other thing is this whole weird uh, network battle going on between the Jorge Linares. Vasily, now Vasily, by the way, spelt Vasily, not just said, spelt Vasily Lomachenko in his 135 debut for Linares' WBC title. We thought we were going to see that fight May 12th, but hey, we got a problem now, right? Because Top Rank wants to put that on ESPN, but HBO that night wants to run the Triple G Canelo pay-per-view replay. And if you're Golden Boy and Oscar, your bread is being buttered by the Canelo pay-per-view deal. That's like whatever percentage you want to assign to Golden Boy's income right now is HBO Canelo pay-per-view related. So they can't F that up. So I'll give credit to Oscar in this regard. He came out on Twitter with like a six, seven point post that was like, we will do that fight any other date this calendar year on ESPN if you want to. But if you have to do it that day, HBO is more than willing to make it their co-main event with the replay of the pay-per-view. I thought that was actually fair. Like, I knew Bob wouldn't take it, but I felt that was a fair comeback. Yeah, that is. Uh, and I, I wasn't – I didn't – when I read Oscar's little tweet thread, I didn't quite – get that he was willing to make the fight on ESPN any of those dates. Um, ah. But certainly he's more open. I guess he is more open to it than he would be on May 12th when it's just out of the question for them. Uh, and then there was also the issue of HBO supposedly making a, a you know higher dollar amount offer for for that fight than it would get on ESPN on May 12th and all that stuff. We Look, I mean, it's it's fun to sort of play network executive but the truth is none of us are net network executives uh and we don't control these budgets and we also don't know what you know what the marching orders are for any of the sort of the vice presidents and whoever who are given these budgets to spend like you know peter nelson may may have a much different uh you know overall goals at, for hbo which seems to be you know shrinking its boxing investment uh than 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 espn and certainly showtime where where steven espinoza is is sort of keeps being promoted and given more money to play with um and and they could be doing those things all for for 
you know, totally valid reasons that do have to do with their own like corporate strategies that we can't, we have zero control over. Um, ESPN, I think, looks at boxing as a value investment, right? It's live sports that they can put on for a lot cheaper than a lot of other live sports that they have to buy rights for. Uh, and, and that thank, thankfully, now that it's on regularly, we see actually performs just as well as those other live sports. So they, I, I'm happy that ESPN is doing this because it's, it's also, putting sort of putting to bed that that old canard that stupid lie that people don't watch boxing well people wouldn't watch boxing when it was you know i mean like uh rancis bartholomew fighting uh our man arash usmani on friday night fights back in the day but they were watching the robbery sorry what it was not a robbery by the way rancis with wolves won that fight i'm sick of people all right good you know thank good rancis thanks you for that but anyway um I don't know. I didn't, I was, I never, I never thought the fight was as close as people made it sound, uh, in, in terms of Linares, Lomachenko, and I'm not surprised that it's falling apart. Yeah, I mean, fair points all the way around. And look, ESPN is not going to give up Lomachenko under any circumstance. So that's why. I mean, they're, they're pushing the guy harder than Terrence Crawford even, which, I mean, I'm kind of surprised. I would, uh, just, just because Terrence Crawford is American, is, uh, you know, is fights in, in a, gla- in a glitzier division, um, and and also because you, I, it's weird to see, it almost antagonizes Bud Crawford in a way like I've you see I've seen him his he he doesn't say say anything about it but you know the Crawford extended family you you follow if you if you find you know his sisters on Instagram and and Twitter you'll see them occasionally uh you know gripe a bit about how ESPN and Top Rank are pushing Lomachenko so far and and Crawford hasn't gotten that love I think honestly I think they should get equal love you know I love and them equally not, you know it's too bad for Teddy Teddy was the guy who called Vasily's Olympic fights for NBC felt like he was on that. Lomachenko hype train so early that he put Lomachenko. But, he does, but does Teddy know Papa Lomachenko? Does he know Anatoly? No, he doesn't. He doesn't know that That's bond. That's what it's That's the bond. Point. You know, you got to know that like, bond. Teddy... All things, Brian, are fathers. I, look, I wrote a father son book, so I'm in the same camp. I everything is a father son story to me. You leave me and join a Kriegel podcast. The two of you will just talk about uh, fathers and sons. But you know, Teddy we're, was the guy who voted for Vasily on his pound for pound way before anybody. I mean, he was the original guy who basically said, "Hey, Loma." I love you. I make you a bad. I mean, come on. Okay. All right, Rafe. Uh, that'll wrap that up. We go to this weekend's preview. And first of all, on the undercard of a low-level show in London this week, did you see that in an eight-round lightweight bout, there's a six-foot-tall, 21-year-old, 135-pounder named Boy Jones Jr.? You ever hear this guy? I've seen Boy Jones Jr. I did not know the dimensions of him, which make him even more legendary. But I have uh, in my box rec, uh, you know, rabbit holes, uh, I have come across the amazingly named Boy Jones Jr. Is he is he a traveler? Oh, that's a great call. He's from London. I'm not sure of his traveler status, but I will tell you that he's 14-1-1 with eight KOs. His only loss was last February against Craig Poxton. He got stopped in the 10th round. Look, this name rules. I'm going to be watching Boyd Jones Jr. for for, for some good time now. I'm and if he, if his the career doesn't work out, he can come do the, the drywall and the plaster in my place and in my local council any day. Tom Whitfield, the plaster. I don't have that queued up correctly. The plasterer from the local council. That was uh, like a British Howard Cassell somehow. Uh, will you care, will only Mark Abrams, that in Atlantic City this uh, Saturday, Corn Tom Thomas Cornflake Lamana will headline oh, another card, another Cornflake special against Tito Bracero. Will you be watching that on some uh, stream? I, I, if you, 
I, I, I may that, that seems like something I may catch after the fact, but I've always I've always enjoyed uh, one. What a what a great weird nickname, cornflake. Um, you know, a, a skinny, tall, white Italian, uh, uh, you know, middleweight who, who who's kind of slick and has no power. Uh, you know, draws well locally. I, I'm I, I enjoy the, the cornflake experience. Um, We've had a beer with but, him in in Vegas before, right? We've. I don't, I don't, if I did, I didn't even know, man. <laughs> All right, May Pack weekend, I thought. I thought we had a beer with him and Mark Abrams. Look, I like Cornflake. You're right. He's the guy that whenever he's going to move up to the, to the show box level, he's going to lose. But in the meantime, he'll fight like every other month in Atlantic City for his parents' local promotion, and he'll win in the main event against all these old journeymen. I love that. Come on, I, I can get. Yeah, that no, you know, it's again good, very good, very good nickname. Uh, hard to. He already lost in the showbox level to, uh, you know, um, Antoine and Douglas. Very true. Before Douglas got his soul taken. soul taken multiple times by, by a convicted felon. Uh, Rafe, thirty seconds from the Nuremberg Germany fight, Callum Smith, Jürgen Bremer, and the WBSS semifinal. Tell me who's going to win, and tell me why I should care you should not care um I think Callum Smith will win but I don't know I don't think we've ever seen Bramer I Bramer's that guy who can't travel outside of he can't come to the states because of uh, a criminal past so we I don't think we've ever seen I've, I've, never, I've almost never seen the guy fight wasn't that Martin Murray's gig for a while yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's still. I mean, he never. But at least he got on US TV. Bramer uh, never, never, never made it that far. Um, I gotta look. Probably, into this. maybe, probably did once upon a time, but I don't know. Uh, Smith cares. is the younger, more fancied guy. Um, he hasn't always looked great, but I'll take Smith. All right, I'll take that. The other card, of course, is a Peter Nelson special, and and this is a good one. HBO this Saturday, Inglewood, California. Rafe Inglewood known for being up to no good that's your backyard i hope you're going to tell me in a second that you will be there for super fly two these are four fights of decent note here all for guys at the 150 or 118 level or below pounds poundage i mean i'm fired up i want to break them down in a second but you're going to be there you got any, any plans that is my intention I, I i don't i can't tell if i uh got my credential uh confirmation on that one but i think i i think i put it in so i should be there i you hope put to put it in under it, the respect box newsletter please tell me you did I, I always you know that in the old bill rope snapchat account you know yes. which uh got me into uh canelo all right let me tell you the four fights it's brian valoria against artem delakian for the vacant wba flyweight belt it's donnie is it pronounced nietz nietes Nietes. Nietes against Juan Carlo Reveco for Nietes's IBF flyweight title. The co-main is, I like this one, Carlos Quadras against McWilliams Aurora in a junior bantamweight fight. And, of course, that main event is going to be hot fire. Srisaget Sorungvisai, Juan Francisco Estrada. Really to be the man at junior bantamweight, 115 superfly, really be the guy. Rafe, tell, talk to me about what you really care about in this card. Because I'm going to be honest, outside of Quadras, who I love to watch, these are four decent fights, but this may, it's a main event or bust for me. Like, I'm fired up for this main event. Well, yeah, that's true. But the, the thing is, these are they, these these flyweight, these you know, fly and superfly, these low weight. When you have these high level guys, which they do again, in that they, they always make pretty fun fights. You know, they're they're even though. I don't know the, 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 the Armenian guy that, uh, Brian Valoria is fighting. I bet it'll be a pretty good fight. Uh, and Valoria is still, still pretty quick, still has, still can punch, still, still skilled, still fun. As he fought on the Superfly undercard last year and, you know, beat a prospect, knocked a guy out who, who, you know, probably he might not have been supposed to beat that night. Um, and, uh, Valoria, you, you know, there? he's still fun to watch. Were you there at Superfly one? I was, I was, I saw, I saw Chocolatito eat it. Um, ah. um, and, um, 
So, you know, I think they'll be fun. Nietes, we haven't seen yet on U.S. soil, really, except for a couple times that they, they did, like, all Filipino promotions in, in Carson. Um, so it'll be cool to see him. And, and he's near the end, but uh, still obviously fighting on a world level. And will most likely, the destiny is to get cashed out. I, I don't know what a cashing out consists of at 115 and 112 pounds, <laughs> but get cashed out against one of these younger, you know, uh, either Sarung Desai or, uh, or um, uh, Gallo. Estrada type guys. Um, but you know, Nietes is cool. And yeah, Quadras, uh, Quadras, Mick Williams, Arroyo, Quadras is so much fun, even though he lost and we kind of, we've sort of seen what we think is his ceiling. He all, he's, he, he fights at such a fast pace. He's all over the place. He, uh, he, he's, he's training now with Abel Sanchez. Uh, one thing that made me uncomfortable, I was surfing box rec last week and saw he, he, he was talking about that training and said that he's, he's, he's amazed with the game he is his feeling now in up at the summit with Abel and I would just say that a guy like Quadras who has the um the spotty back, back that, yeah. that that he has uh the, the the skin conditions back there should never say the word gain it's just not a good <laughs> idea never say that Carlos well Quadras um, is certainly I, trying to play himself into a, a fight with the winner we've seen Quadras is only two losses by the way Decision against Chocolatito, which was a fun action fight, and a 12-round decision last November against Estrada. And he has a win over Sarungvisai. Oh, earlier in his career, does he? I'm missing that in my in my prepping, which really took about 10 seconds long. Does he have a win over Sarungvisai? I, I, I'm pretty sure. If you check it and find out that I'm wrong, I'm in trouble. What's Sarungvisai's other uh, name? What's his uh, box Oh, record? man, I don't know. Like uh, Petchmart. 75 battery, you know, oh, quickie on. mark. Come on. Um, oh, it's, uh, it's, uh, Wisaxil Wangek. So, all right. Hold oh, on. yeah. Me, well, we're going to have to wait for, for, have to wait for Lampley to drop that on us this weekend. All right. So you just thicken the plot here, okay? 2014, Quadras did defeat Sarung Vasai by technical decision in the eighth round following a clash of heads. Srisaget had a point deducted because of that accidental ball, because of WBC's rule. This gets interesting. So he's already beaten. So Rung Vasai should Rung Vasai win. That's going to be obviously the the rightful spinoff fight and be a sexy one because even though Quadras lost to Chocolatito and Estrada, he pushed both to the limit. I mean, especially yeah. Estrada, you could have thought you could have made if, the case that Quadras won that without the without the knockdown. That's that's then you're looking at close to a draw fight. Even though I, you know I, it did. You know, I think Estrada did separate himself a little bit. It was just sort of the classier boxer in that fight. Quadras comes at you with so much energy and so many weird combinations. He'll, I love one thing I love about Quadras, and you could really see it live. He uh, he varies the you know the force on his punches. He'll like do three slaps, and then all of a sudden, like the last punch in the combination is a like a like a brick, you know. And you're just like, whoa, where'd that come from? And it's like that 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 that's just a, it's fun to watch him work. And he comes out. He gets. I hope he drops. Remember, he goes comes the way in he's like or the way in or the press conference he's like i am i am fast i am good and i am very handsome like he, <laughs> he does have a sexy sergio vibe to him let's be really honest about that there's no minus doubt. the back knee but yeah all right the main event of course is is, is really good so rung Vasai was was your sort of dark horse fighter of the year last year after defeating chocolatito twice sending him to hell in the rematch with that knockout now you're facing for a while, the only guy in Estrada who had given Chocolatito a really good fight. We always wanted to see that rematch. It never happened. So it's sort of this is really the Chocolatito Bowl of whatever was left of his of his remains that they're fighting for to become the man in these lower weight classes and hopefully, Rafe, 
building toward that fight with uh, our, our good buddy. What's his name? Uh, Quadras. No. Uh, oh, now Quadras, Eventually, Naiwa Inoue. Who was just, well, he's, too, is, he's already moving up, they say. I mean, that, that would be the low-weight Super Bowl eventually that you'd build toward, right? Sure. So in the, in the immediate, yes, it's these two, the winner probably facing Quadras. Rafe, this one really, and I just went back. Look, while looking for that Larry Holmes soundbite last night, I watched the entire Chuck Latito-Juan Estrada fight from 2012, and it was fantastic. And Estrada was really like, what, like 21 or 22 at that point. So he's still right in the thick of his prime right now. This is going to be a war, Rafe. There's no other way this could be but be a war, Rafe. And it's going to be fun. We're going to try to find out. Is Sorung beside like th- th- that dude, right? Even though the last five fights before he fought Chocolatito were against guys who were making their pro debut or were like 0-44, this is really going to tell us whether this is the guy. And it's going to be a little bit brutal. It's going to be fun. Who do you like? I hope so. Although I tell you know, I actually I kind of see this. If we're talking about what does this fight look like, Brian, I kind of think that it might be more of a boxing exhibition by uh, by you know Juan Juan Estrada Gallo. You know, he's he's longer. He's a little quicker. He looks longer. He fights. You know, he, he uses the jab more, of course. Um, he's he's. I think he's a little quicker, and I could see him. And what I, I having read about the how Quadras uh, the, how the Quadras fight with Sorong Vasai went, it was. Was the speed and and boxing of 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 Quadras that kind of had uh, or Sarungvisai at least according to some accounts I read uh, sort of losing his head and 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 headbutting intentionally out of frustration because he couldn't catch up to the guy. We could see that again. We could see and and it might have turned out that you know that that Chocolatito's aggressive style was perfect for a a, a, a you know a very strong. A good puncher like like Sarungvisai who could take a shot and obviously give one better in return. Um, he may not get that opportunity against Estrada, who who can you know who who might box him from outside in this. Either way, I'm saying uh, Estrada by decision. I think we're headed toward a split decision. I think I think that's a great call, and I think. I kind of like Estrada as well. I, I like him in a very close fight. I think we're going to want to see it again, and I hope we do see it again. To, to be super look, honest. I think Sorungusai still, although like I, it's this is very strange to say about someone who had, who just had two wins over a guy who entered 2017 as the you know the consensus uh, pound for pound best fighter in the world in Chocolatito, but I think Sorungusai still has something to prove. You know, like I I think that it's fair to doubt that he is actually on the, le- the the very top level and that he kind of just caught the right style matchup and a guy who was fighting way above his, uh, uh, you know, kind of reached the the ceiling in terms of how high he could go in weight. Uh, and, and just that this, he, I, I, he doesn't, I don't think he is as good a fighter as, as these, as this top level of guys at this weight class. I think he's very tough, but I think that he'll get beat. Well, it may come down that he was the perfect kryptonite for Chocolatito at that time. The, the guy that was just going to not, back down and Chocolatito punching a little bit above his weight his prime weight class that was very interesting we're going to find out a lot more about him on Saturday I like that same prediction though Estrada by close decision hey shout out to HBO if you can't have if you can't give us what we really want give us cards like this Peter I Nelson. think I think this is exactly look, I, I just made I sort of complained about everyone pretending they're network executives I don't have any problem with this sort of HBO strategy if this is if they have a smaller budget get you know, try to make good fights. The, the, the Matisse card ended up being a huge dud, but it made sense. You had, you had guys who normally are fun to watch on television. And if you're hamstrung with the money, put, put good, put stuff that it's, that's going to be fun to watch or get elite guys who are from other countries and are willing to 
fight for less on on HBO. You know, figure out like keep 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 value shopping and 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 make it work. You know, it's the that that's a smart way to deal with whatever situation the cards they're dealt. Very, very fair point. Rafe, as we uh, get off of previewing this weekend and we look ahead to your week, I really just have one question I want to ask you. How busy would you like to be this year? I mean, you know, that's a fair question, right? Busy. Busy. Well, well done. Well done, Rafe. Uh, that'll wrap up another week that was in the box. Aoland, follow us on our social medias at Rafe Boogs at B Campbell CBS. Follow this show at In This Corner CBS for all of your combat sports updates. Rafe, they can still head over to your Twitter account at Rafe Boogs and sign up for this hilarious and informative, informative because you cover a lot of fighters from around the globe that I've never heard of, and I'm a boxing journalist. Uh, this thing called Respect Box. I'm loving it. I want more people to love it. What, what should they do? By all means, it's a free newsletter. You can, it's pinned to the top of my Twitter account. Uh, so just go there, click the link, sign up if you want a, uh, a dose of, uh, boxing jokes and weird things that I find on the internet and a little, sometimes, uh, some serious stuff as well. Uh, all mixed together with, uh, with, with, I don't know, with, with, with lots of love, like a good old batch of gumbo, uh, every Friday. That's, that's great. That's great stuff. And for the Foley Minute, it's worth the price of admission alone. The great James Foley, the former boxing journalist, uh, now just Malbec drinker and, and father of a young boy. This, this is my guy right there. The Foley Minute gets me to pop every week, Rafe. Come on. It's uh, he, he can he drops a lot of inside jokes, but if you if you stick with him long enough, and it, it, it's definitely worth it, you know. And shout out to ITC listener Eric Raskin, a big friend of the show. We're you know we're big fans of that guy as well. So there you go. That's a, you're you're a good man, Eric. Good yeah, man. We're we're very we're very happy with you. You're definitely the definitely the most the best Raskin brother from from my pop to pond rankings. Well, Rafe, we looked at welterweights. We looked at a lot more. Uh, we really only had two words to give people as they exit. We out.